And I'm always willing to try to figure that thing, that type of thing out for people. So I think just being willing to come to me, come to your librarian with problems, which is not, you know, it's not in anybody's nature probably to be like, Hey, you know, I'm having trouble with this. Can you, you know, like, can you help? Like you want to figure it out on your own. But I just, for me, it's never a place I hope of judgment. It's more of a, like, again, I've been where you are. I know how much time it takes to like find something exciting that you might want to use for your classroom, like breakout boxes or like this software or whatever. So why don't you shoot it to me? I'll look it up. I'll try to set it up and then you don't have to worry about it. You know, like that's, that's my thing is just how can I make your job easier? Welcome to Rotten Apples, where we share the best ideas in education, whether it's learning space design, restorative practice, or simply teacher self-care. We're learning from the experts who cut through the BS and find out what's really working and what's not in our classrooms and schools, making St. Louis home to the best educators in practice today. Hey everybody, welcome to Rotten Apples. This week we are talking school libraries with Ethan Evans. Ethan is a high school librarian and a podcaster. He runs the Missouri Association of School Libraries podcast called Checked In. You can find a link to that and other great regional podcasts on the Educate STL website. And today there were two kind of main drivers for me to want to talk about school libraries. I do want to get into a lot of the nuances that he talked about with other guests later on in the season. But for right now, we kind of wanted to just get a broad overview to uh, do two main things. Number one, we wanted to provide some clarity around what your school library has. And every library is different. Every district supports it differently. Every librarian who runs it does it a little bit differently. So there are definitely no universal rules but uh, he does kind of enlighten everybody into what could be there and some of the resources that you may not even be aware are there and how you can partner up with your school librarian to get a lot of the tough parts of your job done. And so that's aim number one. Number two, though, is that a lot of teachers who do kind of experience the sort of burnout that he talks about start looking for other options. They do want to stay in education, but um, they don't necessarily want to have a classroom schedule for another 30 years. And as a former program chair, a, a university program like this, I can tell you I had conversations with people all the time who are moving into that program and trying to get that certification because for various reasons. And I had to have a, a long chat with a lot of them about exactly what their expectations were because a lot of times there's confusion around what is involved in that job. It's definitely not sitting in a corner, reading books and, and sharing ideas with everybody all day long. It's incredibly complex. It's very nuanced. Uh, we have to teach prospective librarians leadership and innovation and um, community uh, marketing and just a million things that you don't even realize are part of the job. And so for anybody out there who's thinking about going into this field. That might be very helpful for you. So down in the show notes, I'm going to include everything he talks about as always. And uh, if you have other ideas for different specific things about school libraries that you want to talk about, then just let me know. I will definitely um, put that in another list. I've got a million people to talk to and a lot of great topics, but I always want to hear from you guys. So without further ado, let's get on to this week. Okay, so everybody, we are here with Ethan Evans. Ethan, how are you today? I'm great. I'm doing great. How are you? 
Good, good. Fantastic. So we are going to talk a little bit about school libraries and the role that they can play for teachers, for administrators, for really anybody in the school. And as we were talking about before we even got started, I could talk about this stuff all day long with my, you know, background leading library programs. And so I'm going to try and keep it to, you know, reasonably what teachers could find, you know, very useful and helpful. But you're going to help keep me on track, aren't you? I'm going to do my best. So. <laughs> Good, glad to hear. Okay, so why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got into library science? Uh, yeah, uh, I started. I graduated from Southwest Baptist University down in Southwest Missouri, um, and I got my degree in secondary English education. Uh, and I taught three years uh, of high school English down in Stockton, Missouri. Uh, and while I was teaching, uh, I was having a good time building relationships with the kids, uh, doing all that type of thing. But I didn't really feel ever that the classroom was the best place for me. I wasn't uh, just I, I just it just didn't feel right for me, um, which was a hard thing to come to terms with because I've got a lot of educators in my family. And so I kind of felt like, you know, uh, I, I didn't want to be one of those burnout statistics. But at the same time, I wasn't enjoying my job. And so uh, I had worked in libraries in high school and in college, uh, public libraries. And I kind of all of a sudden realized I was like, hey, you could do this as an actual job like your real job. Um, and so I got certified and uh, you know, went and did some interviews and got an opportunity at Lathrop. And uh, that's where I've been since then. This is my fifth year uh, as a high school librarian and I love it. So. Wow. And so I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to because a lot of teachers love the job. They mm -hmm. love the kids. They love the content, but something just isn't the right fit. You know, it's right. just a little bit off. And I hear that all the time from people who are going into libraries and trying to get their certification. They still want to work with the kids. They still want to engage with the content, but something about the schedule or the job description has changed. You know, something has shifted a little bit and that's how people seem to get interested in the field. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think anybody who's been in education knows this. It, it is a consuming job it is i mean all consuming and people who say you know oh you get the summers off or whatever well i mean you do get summers off to recover uh from <laughs> nine months of being on all the time i just remember constantly anytime that i have free time i thought what like what should i be planning what should i be grading <laughs> what should i be creating and i like my, my mental health was not probably at its finest in those those days because i i was not good at being able to compartmentalize my life um and the library kind of gave me the opportunity to still be in education, still be interacting with those kids, but also to be able to break away um, <clears throat> when I needed to, um, just because the organization of that job was able to kind of kind of help me with that. So it really it really helped keep me in education, honestly, the the opportunity that I had to be in the library. Yeah, you're right. Nobody really seems to get the teacher schedule. <laughs> no right. one seems right. to. And the easiest way I can explain it to people outside of education is try to imagine all the things that you have to do for your job, except you have six one hour meetings per day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. exactly. exactly. Like that's what that is. So how much of your job would you be able to get done if you had yeah. that? You know, they just don't quite get it. And right. um, so what, given what you thought, because everybody goes into the library with 
kind of a different idea. A lot of people don't understand exactly what librarians do. So as you went into it, how was the job kind of the way you expected and how was it different? Like, what was the surprise for you? Um, I was excited to get the chance to talk to kids about books because that was my favorite part of being an English teacher um, was interacting with students and talking about reading and really promoting that and, you know, kind of reading new YA books being part of my job description. That was a part that I was excited about and it was something good. Uh, the technology aspect of it um, was not, it was more in depth than I was anticipating. I feel like I've handled it okay, but like we went one-to-one uh, with laptops the year before I got there. So they were still kind of stumbling around figuring out what was going on. So I kind of walked into that and it's been, I mean, every year I feel like it's, you know, I've learned more, but also failed more trying to figure out um, how to kind of work with all that. I mean, my first two weeks of school every year is it's pretty much just technology related. I always joke with the kids that I finally, you know, after two weeks, I finally get to talk to them about what I'm here for, which is <laughs> books, you know, because the first two weeks is just technology. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's always a, a part of it that I think a lot of people don't get. I will always get a handful of people that were coming into my program and, uh, just kind of thinking that they could read books, pick yeah. books, put them on the shelf, yep. and sit in the corner and read all day. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh, if only. <laughs> yeah, well, and I've talked to teachers who've been like, I told them that I'm a I'm a high school librarian. They're like, oh, man, you really got into that, you know, I, I don't even know how they phrased it, but almost like a retirement position, you know, that position you're in until you retire because you're just kind of coasting. And, you know, I, I love my job, and uh, I, I'm – excited to be doing it all the time but like it's not at least for me it's not like a cakewalk like I, I feel like I am constantly putting out fires that's what I tell people all day is my day is putting out fires like you know one second I've got a teacher telling me their projector doesn't work the next I've got three kids coming in with their laptops messed up you know I've got a, a phone call about for my you know principal researching some sort of new technology they want to use for something you know what I mean so it's like a just constant and I like that because it's all different like my every day is different but you are kind of people I don't think realize that you're constantly just helping different people at different stages all throughout the day and so I think a lot of people don't get that you know mm-hmm. they don't really understand that they don't really see it because first of all the job's different you know from school to school the level to which you have to engage with one-to-one or um you know, if you have a coordinator or you don't, you know, that obviously makes a big difference too. And so there's a lot of, I find, confusion around the role. And so where do you think that comes from? Why do you think people don't really fully understand what goes on in a library? I think kind of like what you talked about before, the there is already the expectation of what that job has been in the past um, is just somebody who sits there and checks out books. And that's unfortunate because then that's led to a lot of administrations and a lot of districts thinking, oh, we don't need a certified librarian to do this job. But if you are a good librarian, I feel like you have adapted to realize that that's not just, that's just not realistic to consider that the only thing that you do anymore. And so I've kind of, at least for me, and I talk about this with, you know, my colleagues all the time is I've just kind of tried to become a jack of all trades. Like if something new comes in, I'm the one who learns about it. Um, and you know, more than happy. And I have a supportive administration, but you know, that in education that can turn on a dime, uh, <laughs> at any moment, you know, it, you know it, it's, you know, it can, it can change quickly. And so I've always just tried to make myself as valuable as possible to say, Hey, you know, if you get to the point where you think this isn't worthwhile, these are all the things that I do, 
So maybe think about, you know, like the ways that I'm trying to support the district. So not that I'm trying to like hold that as like a threat, but it's just something that I've kind of used as like a, a way to kind of make myself more valuable because I know that some, you know, some people don't value librarians the way other, other people do. So. No, they really don't. And, you know, I mean, sometimes I think that you make a good point that there are, um, if you're a good librarian, <laughs> then you can do a lot of these things. And we know of some people who really are using the position to coast into retirement sure, and sure. don't really want to learn anything new. I think you find that in every, it's just a natural human tendency. Yeah. And I'll probably be like that myself. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not denying that. But it's funny when I do talk to some of these leaders, wow, there is a range of understanding around that. And there are some people who completely and totally get it. They understand the value. They figure out what their people are good at. They really tap into those strengths in a really useful, helpful way. And then there are other people who do not see the point, not only of having not having a certified librarian, but having a library period. And when I would have these conversations with people, I it's it sounds very harsh. I never actually said this to anybody's face, but I thought if you really in a 21st century school with technology and information literacy and fake news and somebody in the middle of it who seems to understand all of that, if you don't see the value of that kind of centralized space for individual learning in your school, then I question your ability to lead a school yeah, in the future. Yeah. You really don't get it at all, do you? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, yeah, like you said, especially the the digital literacy, I think is extremely important for kids and for teachers. And I don't know, that's part of my thing too, is just trying to build those relationships with the teachers for them to understand kind of where I'm coming from. Because my thing was, I was a teacher and I know, I feel like I know what I want from a live, what I would want from a librarian if I was still a classroom teacher. And so I'm trying to provide that and like give those teachers like, like, I don't know. I have a conversation with teachers a lot of times. Like, let me tell me what you're trying to learn about and let me learn about it and help you um, and find resources for you because I have time to do that. And I know that you don't, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I know how much time that you have because I was there and I have I'm in a position that, you know, for whatever, however you feel about it, lets me have a little bit more time during the day to kind of research those things. And so that's been I feel like it's been pretty successful that way because it's having those interactions with the teachers especially makes them realize like hey he's not just hiding in the library trying to you know coast through each day like he's genuinely trying to be an asset for me and that's 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 really all i'm trying to do each year is be an asset for each of the teachers in different ways and it's easier with english because i have that background and everything but uh, i've really been trying to build up my relationships with like the other core teachers as well so and see, you mentioned digital literacy. And, you know, when I think about all of the different expectations that there are on teachers, and I'm glad that you bring that up about your background as a teacher, because I think what a lot of people don't realize is that with the certification, the way that it is in Missouri and in Illinois, you have to be a certified teacher in order to get that. It's an add-on certification. So they're already, like your school librarian, I promise you, has experience in exactly what you're doing, you know, in the right. classroom. So he or she knows, you know, very well what you're going through. And so you've got a, a, a camaraderie there that can be built on for sure. But the job has also changed drastically, you know, in the yeah. last years. And uh, with the focus on all of these things, you know, when we talk about certainly all of the issues around uh, digital literacy and media literacy and um, technology adoption, 
trauma-informed restorative practice, cyberbullying, all of the, there's the tons and tons and tons of things the teachers are getting trained on all the time. Mm-hmm. It's hard for them sometimes to know where to go and who to ask because they're being asked to understand all of these things and nobody can understand all of these things. And so right. trying to figure out what resources are available in their school. So from the position of the school library, like what are the, of all the different trends that they're, not I want to say trend in a bad way, but all the different, you know, initiatives that they have to be a part up, which ones do you think the library is really in a unique position to help? Um, I think that obviously, like you talked about with uh, like literacy and fake news, uh, media, like recognizance of, you know, realistic media, uh, what's real and what's fake. We have a big part in that. Um, I talk with the kids a lot. The sophomores and juniors usually come down and we do a little thing where we, we, you know, I teach them about how to search on a database and why database research is generally more accurate than just typing something into Google and having it pop up because we talk about um, how you can make something look pretty legitimate these days uh, comparatively to, you know, uh, something that like is actually true versus something that's not. So we talk about some of those things, like some of the clues that you can find that kind of help you determine whether an author is legit or not. So that's a big one. And we talk a little bit about just digital citizenship as well. Like you said, with cyberbullying and things like that, like I, again, I'm of a teaching age, so I'm automatically old to my students, uh, no matter what age I am. But I feel very fairly well versed on online and kind of what's going on, you know, different trends and things like that, whether or not I understand them is entirely different, but I am at least recognizing them. And so I'm able to talk and connect with my kids in that way, which they're not normally used to adults being able like being aware of things that are happening in their world online. Um, And so that's a big thing as well. Yeah, and I, th- I think the one that I'm most challenged by um, is social media. And I, mm. I use it a lot. I know I know all about it. But keeping on top of the students and finding out where they're at and what they're doing it seems almost impossible sometimes yeah. because, because they're always avoiding us. So yeah, like, yeah. Like, as soon as the adults figure out that they're on this and they start, they're, especially their parents, start getting onto those tools, then, okay, well, it's time to go somewhere else. we got to go over here to TikTok now. Right. Gonna- they're, they're, always a st- they're always a step or two ahead. They're so. always a step ahead. <laughs> yeah. I had a great conversation with Bob Dylan a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, we've got the hundreds of social media experts walking the halls. We should probably be tapping into that and have them run a training. Seriously. Like, they're, yeah, I... Anytime that I want to try to, I'm trying to figure something out about something new social media as I'm asking, I end up asking one of my kids because they always know. So, you know. <laughs> For sure. So you are also uh, running the Maslow podcast, Missouri mm-hmm. Association of School Librarians, and it's called Checked In. Is that right? Yep. Yep. There, no, we're, so we, okay. yep. We are in our second season. So Awesome. And so I'm sure that one of the incredible, incredible gifts that I found in podcasting is meeting all of these new people and learning all of these stories. I am learning more doing this than I ever did as a position with, as a full-time faculty member at a university. Right, (laughs) right. It's pretty incredible how much you learn throughout this process. And so, you know, you've spoken to a lot of different people from a lot of different libraries there. So what are the, some of the most exciting things that you've heard about? And then what do you think are some of the real challenges that are are causing some alarm? Um, I think, I mean, just as far as exciting thing goes, like you said, I, I always joke with librarians that 
the podcast is entirely just an excuse for me to get to bug people uh, with a legitimate reason um, about their libraries and what's going on because I steal ideas all the time. Um, I'm trying to think of I might my, my, the most exciting things we did at least last year we got to interview uh, Jennifer Brown, um, who's a YA author of books like The Hate List uh, and. Uh, uh, various other books she's done middle school books and also adult books as well and she works for uh or she worked for the public library uh here in town and i actually um work part-time there uh as well and so she reached out to me which was a really cool moment that she realized we were doing a podcast and wanted to be on there so i got to talk to her about like author visits um and like her perspective of things which is really good and important i think for librarians because we always freak out and never know you know exactly what that looks like from the author in and she was uh, very realistic in talking about that so i felt like that was a really uh good episode um and then i got to talk to my teachers at the end of the year about what their expectations uh for me were um i felt uncomfortable doing that with anybody else's because i didn't want to put anybody else in the spot like hey you know what can your librarian do better you know like or whatever so but it was easy for me uh to ask that just because I feel like I can always get better. So uh, that was a really popular episode with people. Just, I had several teachers on talking about those different things and ways we could get better. And I think just that collaboration and that willingness to, to hear constructive criticism uh, was appealing to people. Um, as far as like problems, you know, just like anything else, it's advocacy and, you know, a lot of schools, a lot of librarians that I feel like I talk to where their administrations don't understand uh, the value of their programs. Um, they don't recognize the value of their programs. And so they don't give them very much support. Also, just finding ways to the biggest the biggest one is finding ways to get kids engaged in this era of like constant testing and constant time management stuff being piled on. I mean, my high school is all the time tell me mr evans i would read this this book this gateway nominee that you recommended but i don't have time like i'm working i you know i have three ap classes that have all this required reading uh you know we're doing all this testing i don't you know and that's why i'm a big advocate for uh reading time during the day uh, you know like because i th i think that there's science to back up that that promotes love of reading and it gives kids opportunity to do that reading during the day. Uh, but that was one of the biggest things that I, I you just kid student involvement because, you know, the reading for pleasure is just kind of on the back burner for a lot of administrations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you don't really do it yourself very much, then it's hard to push that in other people. Absolutely. You have to be, I mean, and that's why, I mean, if you are a librarian and, and you don't read, uh, I would say probably pick a different profession because I feel like it's, you, you have to model that for the kids. They have to know how much you care about it because you're often one of the very few advocates in the school for that. So, yeah, I think it's, we may be just having a problem with the reading for pleasure culture in general, because when I, I do a lot with leadership and when I speak to administrators, I think they just feel like they don't always have time. It's always time. You know, they mm -hmm. always feel like they don't have time. And so, you know, what's funny, though, is when I even when I read some of these really easy reading, you know, fiction, not weekend beach novels, I learned something about the human condition that actually applies to my work. Sure. <laughs> All the time. 
time. So I don't think people realize that you can kind of double dip when it comes to pleasure reading. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think just it's anything. There's character development and there's a lot of different things like that. I just read a, a book called Field Notes on Love that was uh, extremely uh, – I talked to my kids about it and she said – one of my book club students said, that sounds like a Lifetime movie. And I was like, it's your, you're kind of right. Uh, or a Hallmark movie is what she said, not a Lifetime movie, because the Lifetime yeah. movies are sometimes scary. But uh, a Hallmark movie, <laughs> right, the Hallmark movie, you know, is kind of a romantic comedy. And nothing happened in it that surprised me. You know what I mean? Like, it was kind of not a nice palate cleanser. Like, I wasn't, you know, but I enjoyed it. Like, it was good. These two people, these two characters, they fell in love. And they one of them was from England. So I learned a little bit about, you know, growing up and and in England and stuff like that. So yeah, so I picked things up, even though people looking at that book might not think it was something that was teaching me anything, but you know, it, it was enjoyable. And, uh, you know, I had, I expanded my world a little bit just by reading it. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. So, okay. So what, from a, a teacher perspective again, so what are the important things that you think teachers could do to help themselves in school libraries, different resources, different services that maybe would really make a difference for them, but they probably don't know about? I think, uh, well, obviously, yeah, just it, first of all, initially just making contact with your librarian and being open to uh, communicating with them. Cause I know a lot of times, I try to send out communication and, you know, especially at first when people didn't know me very well, there was not, uh, probably, you know, they were, they weren't paying as much attention, um, to what I was trying to do initially. But, um, I try to tell my teachers again, that I'm going to be this resource who does lesson planning, some lesson plans for you and with you to make your life better. I'm not just in it to like, uh, you know, send you a couple of links and run away from it. I want to test out whatever it is. So we had, uh, we had one teacher who's been working on, um, it's been this really long process of he's moved all of his classes over to Google classroom. Um, and so he was trying to find a way to get students to interact with this graph. It was a science type graph and be able to move things around. And so we were, we spent one of his plan periods, like going over the pro like we were looking up all how to make this thing interactive in a way that students could move it around and he could watch it happen on screen. So he could give them immediate feedback. Um, you know, and I'm always willing to try to figure that thing, that type of thing out for people. So I think just being willing to come to me, come to your librarian with problems, which is not, you know, it's not in anybody's nature probably to be like, Hey, you know, I'm having trouble with this. Can you, you know, like, can you help? Like you want to figure it out on your own. But I just, for me, it's never a place I hope of judgment. It's more of a, like, again, I've been where you are. I know how much time it takes to like find something exciting that you might want to use for your classroom, like breakout boxes or like this software or whatever. So why don't you shoot it to me? I'll look it up. I'll try to set it up and then you don't have to worry about it. You know, like that's, that's my thing is just how can I make your job easier? So. You know, that actually reminds me of a funny story. I heard a teacher tell me probably two, three years ago now. Um, she said that she, always uses her her school librarian as soon as she said quote i'm bored off my ass so she said, <laughs> she's like doing the same thing over and over again and she's sick of it you know yeah she, yeah and she said i have got to shake this up and she would always go to her school librarian for just some new ideas on something so yeah yeah. And I'm not going to pretend like I'm the most creative, like for, there are plenty of librarians who are way more creative than I am, but like 
the fact that you spend so much time I mean, I spent so much time on the web searching around, trying to find things and doing research and stuff. You just you pick up things naturally that you find and you kind of file it away and say, you know, oh, here's something that I could use. You know, I've got uh, teachers who really love Hamilton. Right now they teach uh, Hamilton in their class. And so uh, over the summer I took a class and I found, uh, I guess, Lin-Manuel Miranda like wrote out this episode of uh, NPR. They did like this American life and they, he just wrote like a little 15 minute, I can't remember what it's called, but a 15 minute musical based on part of an episode. And like I, neither of my teachers had seen that. So I, you know, filed that away, shot it to them real quick. I was like, Hey, here's something. If you ever need something for those kids who really love Hamilton, like this will play, you know, just stuff like that is just kind of constantly what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always a really helpful resource. Anything I would think for teachers that where it's open-ended research, um, yeah. anything at all that's completely self-driven. Uh, I learned the value of that after September 11th when I changed my unit and had my kids just go to the library for two weeks and figure out, come up with a theory about why it happened. Yeah. And the librarians loved it. They were just, I've never seen them so happy in my entire life. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, because you work, you work so hard to get the kids down there sometimes. It's one thing when you're teaching, like, I, that's one of the biggest things as a librarian I've noticed differently is that when I was a teacher, you know, like, I, I had to work to get kids involved in some things, but one way or the other, kids had to be in my class, you know what I mean? Whereas the library, they very, I mean, nobody has to be down there, you know, I've had kids be down there at the beginning of the year to get a laptop from me and at the end of the year to turn a laptop into me. So you really have to go out and work to find ways to bring people in. And that's not my nature, my natural like nature for me is to go out and like get people. So that is something that I've had to change about myself a little bit. And it's a slow process, but like go out and, and find ways to bring people in. So that's a great point. Learning how to be your own PR is something that uh, a lot of librarians have had to learn how to do because they, uh, a lot seem to be naturally a little more introverted rather than extroverted. And they had to learn how to, you know, push yeah. themselves out into the community to make yeah. sure that everybody knows about it. You really can't just rely on people finding out what you're doing. You have to tell them. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. So I want to wrap up with just a couple of kind of fun questions for everybody to get to know who you are. So my first question here, one person to follow on Instagram or Twitter, who would you recommend? Uh, I can't recommend one. I have two. So I have to give two, uh, our two, our two English teachers that I work with all the time. They're constantly promoting what they're doing, um, on Instagram and Twitter and they do a great job and I am in awe of their social media game. I don't know how they have time to do it while being amazing teachers. So on Twitter, they are, uh, it's Whitney Zanner at W Zanter. So Z A N T E R and then Cassie Nicolay. So at C A S S Y N I C O L A Y. And then on Instagram, Ms. Xander is Xander ELA Banter, which she's very proud of that name. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. And then the uh, Cassie's is uh, Miss MS dot Nico ELA. So MS dot N I C O ELA. Um, yeah, no worries, I, everybody. We'll link it in the show notes too. <laughs> okay, great. Sorry. So I'm, I'm used to. With Anchor, we, we've had trouble with that, so I'm used to having to spell everything out like a thousand times. But yeah, yeah they're they're great, and uh, they're constantly promoting their stuff going on in their classrooms, and I think that any English teacher or any teachers in general uh, would get a good idea of kind of what's going on at our school and uh, just the really cool stuff that they do. So. Yeah, and that's always helpful because we, we have we have people who listen that are across all disciplines, and when you follow really good people, you know, I really – 
find that the more projects where I put like really amazing people at the center of it, I don't care what you do or what you want to talk about, because if you're amazing, you're amazing. And right. you can pull that in, even if you're a math teacher or, you know, doing something else in the school, you can always learn from other people's experiences, what they're doing. And it sounds like at the very least, you can learn how to promote the work that you're doing by yeah. following example. Yeah. If you want, if you want uh, a masterclass on, how do you promote your classroom on social media? Those two will do it for you. So perfect. perfect. It sounds like they might be my next guest. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You reach out. They would love okay. it. So Ethan, you recharge. How do you actually, when you find the time and you're not, you know, reading oh, books? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I would say normally reading, but that is part of like my job. I'm on the gateway committee. So I'm constantly reading uh, gateway potential books, which is our reader award here in Missouri. Um, so, for me to recharge, uh, and again, people kind of roll their eyes and you know say millennial when I say this, but I play video games. Uh, I have a game on the Nintendo Switch called uh, Stardew Valley, which is about farming, <laughs> and it's like a simulation farming where you just like live your life and like raise called? a bunch of cows. It's called Stardew Valley, and okay. I kid you not, I have put probably 150 to 200 hours uh, into this game because. I don't know what it is about my mind, but like, you know, when you get overwhelmed with things, I like to have like a simple task. And so my task on this game is to wake up and to take care of my farm and to give people gifts. And then they are friends with me, which I wish, you know, would be how it was in real life is you just give a, cup, a person a couple of gifts a week and then they become best friends with you. But uh, it's very, uh, I don't know what it is, but just the order of it and like, the very low stakes uh, kind of helps whenever I get anxious or get overwhelmed with stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I recommend it to people all the time who have anxiety or who are stressed out. So, and you know, first of all, it just it sounds like a fun game. And I, I live yeah. in the city, so I will never have much experience with tending to a cow. Well, so. I'm not. A, I'm not. I mean, my grandfather uh, lives on a farm, but I am not a farm person either. So it, I, it can appeal to you either way. Uh, I promise. So. No, and definitely don't knock gaming. I tell you what, yeah. I do a lot of research on habits, and some of the really incredible things that I'm finding about it is when you are stressed, anxious, whatever. Gaming keeps you so focused because if you're not focused, you die in yeah. most games, you know? Yeah. And so you can't obsess about yes. other things. You can't think about anything else. Absolutely. And so frankly, that's my strategy before I respond to a nasty email or something on social media that yeah. has me. I will go and play a game for a couple of minutes because it redirects my attention away from that. And that's helpful. Absolutely. It, it For me, it, yeah, like you said earlier, that's a perfect example. It, it takes my focus off of the thing that I can't, maybe can't do a, anything about in that moment and refocuses it. Also, it gives me an opportunity. Like, I, I mean, it is a way for me to connect with my kids. They're always weirded out that I'm talking to them about video games that are coming out and like actually genuinely care. And so it's a good way for us to, uh, to interact and to get to know each other when they find out that their librarian is a gamer. So and that's great because when you can double up on different areas of your life that you need to work on, that's always yeah. more effective. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. And so what then, last question, what are you binging on on Netflix? Because I'm getting oh. some really good recommendations this season, I got to tell you. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I have been watching When They See Us, uh, which is that kind of docudrama about uh, the Central Park Five that yes. they made on okay. Netflix. And I knew it was going to wreck me. Uh, but it like really wrecked me. I've, I've been able to get to the first two episodes and the acting is amazing. And obviously it's 
something that happened, uh, you know, you know, I wasn't aware of at the time, obviously, uh, but, uh, just learning about it and it's, it's caused me to go and do some of my own reading and, and kind of figure out more about that situation. So highly recommend that it's four episodes. And then while I was, uh, finishing up my grad school, uh, the last couple of years, um, I did a full 180 on Guy Fieri. Um, I initially thought he was a joke and then all I did was watch guys grocery games while I wrote papers, uh, for like an entire summer. And now Guy Fieri is like my favorite person in the world. So I uh, highly recommend Food Network, Guy's Grocery Games, or The Great British Baking Show is another one of my favorite like kind of background TV shows that I pretend like I'm not going to pay attention to while I work on stuff, but then I actually pay more attention to and don't work on things. So, Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I never do that. Like I'm yeah. all laser focused on yeah, Well, you know, I seem, I seem to be the only one. It's so crazy. So. It's weird. I know. It's crazy. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, it was really great chatting with you today, Ethan. I know we could go on all day, but I think we're going to wrap it up for now. I definitely want to circle back. Absolutely. Just let me know anytime. I'd be happy to. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Thank you. Okay, everyone. I hope you heard something new and useful today. If you want to learn more or have an idea for a future episode of Rotten Apple, just go to educatestl.org where you'll find resources and links from today's chat and fun news and event information for educators all over the STL. Thanks for listening and connecting with all of us Rotten Apples and for doing what you can to get better every single day. See you soon.